You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are here, and we are with our last week on the countdown to Halloween. And Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through October. What do we have for this week, sir? Howdy, and happy Halloween, everybody. Yes, the countdown countdown is over, and uh, yeah, we've got a great show full of demons. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's we're still doing tonight. No, we're here. The countdown's over. We're actually here in it in Halloween now, man. So uh, I'm not counting anymore. Uh, I'm not good with numbers anyway. So, um, but uh, yeah, we've got a great show lined up for you, full of demons and uh ghosts and paranormal experiences it's it's really fun and a uh, great collaboration with uh, a group of folks so um can't wait to get into that um uh, but before we do i gotta give a warning to everybody a warning to everybody mike um if 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 you listen to this episode i strongly encourage you to hold your breath while you're listening to the episode because if you don't the spirits of the podcasters may enter your body. Um, if you're breathing, the spirits of the podcasters may enter as you're inhaling. So um, just keep that in mind. Um, I'm certainly not encouraging anybody to to not breathe, but just know going in that our spirits could be entering your bodies um, uh, during this podcast. You never know, you know, just turn it up louder. You know, the more loud we get, the further we stay away. Is that it? Because we're further away. We just have to talk louder and louder and louder. But we definitely would love to hear from you guys. You know, tell us what how your Halloween season's going. You doing okay or are you just scared by life? Please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. A big thanks and a big shout out to our sponsor for this week, Tifosi Optical. Our friends at Tifosi Optical are the experts on sunglasses, gamer glasses, and safety glasses. You can find them all at, ready for this, folks? tifosioptics.com and all you have to do in the coupon code put ESO network and if you do you get 10% off your order that's not so bad you know Tifosi optics great place for sunglasses and glasses and glasses and glasses pretty cool stuff so of course big shout out also to our patrons where you could for as little as 25 cents a week you can help support the ESO network with the ESO Network Patreon, you get really cool swag. You can hear exclusive material, and you get to hear us 48 hours before the rest of the world. Why not check it out? All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. And now we are here going to talk about a new Kickstarter program from our friend, Chuck Peno. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome to the station, sir. Uh, for those people... Yeah, for those people who may not be familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Chuck Pino. I am a uh, freelance writer and editor, mostly for comics, but I have uh, branched off into some other stuff and even have a novel coming out soon. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that. 
Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, you know, as far as the, the comic work, which I think I'm, I'm the most familiar with you on, um, how did you get, how did you get started in, or I should say, how did you get suckered into the wonderful world of comics? <laughs> I think like most, but I've, I've always loved comics. Like it, it's just been amazing. Um, I've, you know, written scripts throughout the years and wanted to be a part of it. And back in 2015, I moved and when I moved, I had all of my comic art up and the cable guys showed up and he loved it. He started talking about his comic project and that ended up pulling me in and I ended up becoming a part of that. And from there, I just, I fell in love with the industry. Uh, I started editing in order to get my name out there so I could start getting my own works out there and it's just snowballed. And so ever since uh, I got my first credit in 2017 and I've been going ever since. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, I, I know you've got a Kickstarter project going on currently. Um, you are no stranger to Kickstarter, correct? You've done no. a couple of other ones, right? I, well, I've done a couple other, but um, I've edited an awful lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I like to tell people without lying that I'm on Kickstarter every month of the year for about the past two years. <laughs> it really is a blessing to indie creators, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for, for decades, I think indie creators were just, you know, at the behest of uh, Diamond and comic shop owners, right? And now uh, Kickstarter really allows uh, any guys to really have uh, an outlet directly with the fans and directly with the readers. Absolutely. And, and I mean, but that's not to say, like, just dropping it there will get you anything. Oh, sure. That's sure. just, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, I have to tell people this all the time. It's just a doorway. But... Once you've opened that door, you're in a much bigger world. So you now have to find a way. Uh, Kickstarter people will find you, but that doesn't mean anything. You, you need to make yourself very presentable. And also you need to bring your own people in there and create that excitement that will make those people want to show up. Now, uh, regarding your current comic project, um, uh, is, it, is it Belial? Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Um, and uh, tell us a little bit about this project. Oh, this is a fun one. Belial is the original creator of Hell. And um, it's all the way back from like the Aramaic texts and whatnot. And so our spin on it was that when Lucifer came down, he took Belial's powers away and most of his powers away and gave them to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So now after millennia of being sequestered in his crappy bar, because that's all he has now, uh, Belial has decided, I've had enough. I want my kingdom back. And so he's going after the horsemen one at a time, taking back his powers so he can go for Lucifer. Okay. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> that's, I love it. I love it actually. Um, and uh, tell us how that came about. What's the origin behind the scenes origin, secret origin of Belial? No, um, my partner, Sean Barbour, he was the inker for my original project. Welcome to the void. And so he uh, he and I were chatting one night, you know, we, we have a very uh, we have a mutual respect for one another. And he said, I, I love your writing. I love working with you. He said, I've got this really cool project I'd love to throw by you. And I'm not usually into the demon stuff, but the story and the history of it and everything, it really got to me. But as I, I made him a treatment and, and we were both excited about it, and as I started writing it, I realized We've all seen hell stories. Like they're always the same. It's dripping in gore and evil and all this kind of stuff. And they all have that same feel. And I really wanted to come from it from a different angle. 
So I threw in the idea of having that comedic aspect and really like having it be very kind of like jokey and raunchy. I want it to be a hell story meets um, uh, one of the late night um, uh, animated shows. Mm. So I thought something like an adult swim sort of thing. And so we did that. Um, the first one did very well. Everybody really seemed to enjoy it a lot. And this time around, um, it seems to be doing even better. So, so far, so good. Yeah. And I can definitely understand, like, when you, yeah, when you said the uh, Adult Swim thing, that clicked. Because it's one of those um, where the art and the writing just seems to, you know, work together with one another. Thank you. Um, uh, and the, the art style is definitely one that that evokes that cartoony uh, sensibility, right? Yeah, Greg Warnchak is the penciler, and he's absolutely amazing. Great dude from uh, Montreal, and yeah, he has that um, animated feel to mm-hmm. where I almost didn't feel in some panels like you needed my dialogue. My dialogue just kind of added a little bit extra. But yeah, it, so I, I, I loved uh, working with all those guys. Now, the current project um, that our campaign is for the second issue. The first issue was successfully funded. And this is for the second issue. Now, if because this is funded, as Mike said, congratulations on that. But I want to make sure that people understand that just because it's funded doesn't mean that you don't need any more assistance. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I mean, that's that, you know, we're talking if you want to be part of this project, there's still opportunities to do so. Um, tell us a little bit about the rewards and uh, what can people expect from uh, from being part of this? You know, um, and, and you, you really hit on something there. Um, there's so much more. I mean, making comics, it's so expensive. Like your average comic usually costs somewhere between three and, and five thousand dollars for a regular comic when you're talking about everything. And sometimes that's not even including the printing. So for the most part, we're worried about paying for the printing and then. But this one, because we did go into some financial um, straits, so to speak, in the last one, we ended up um, having to put in some some extra money so that we could pay for the pencils for the next one, too, because we want to go straight from two to three to four. It's a four part mini. So going over means that we can pay for all of three and maybe even start to look towards four and just keep this train chugging and go all the way to an eventual graphic novel. So, yeah, obviously, there's no such thing as overfunding. You know what I mean? It's like Coke makes too much money. No, they're pretty (laughs) happy with how they're doing, and they're fine with making more. And so for us, it's not like we're suddenly going to get rich or even make a profit. It just means that we're going to be able to keep moving on and hopefully in the next um, campaign bring people even more stuff. So in this one, the big rewards are mostly about trying to reach that collector base. Uh, We've got some really cool – covers variant covers including thomas tenney who is from marvel dc image fame he's done work for acdc and all sorts of amazing stuff he did this fantastic homage to meatloaf's bat out of hell we have chris mad who is i would call almost like an indie darling like people love his work love his style his take on things he just brought this he just created this beautiful piece that people talk about all the time and love to show off and then we decided it's hell let's go a little sexy and so we brought in our good buddy Steph Wilson who is just such a fun dude and just brings this weird cutesy sexy funny thing it almost is like a modern day Betty Boop style I like to call it 
And uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And it really plays to the idea of, of what the book's all about. So most of it is about adding on to the book and having different versions of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and uh, like I said, everything seems like it's going pretty well for you, which is great. Um, but it's, you've got, uh, I think as of this recording, you've got a little bit over a couple weeks. So we definitely want to make sure that people jump on this um, and be part of it as soon as they listen to this. And it's a great thing to, to sort it's a great treat for Halloween, right? To be part of this uh, demon story, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, you know, the thing that uh, a lot of people might not know about Kickstarter is that we do things called stretch goals. So the further we get, the more stuff comes into your, your packet just naturally. So we're already aiming for our first one, which gives you a free Green Day Dookie style Belial print, which is pretty hilarious, actually, when you get to look at it. And so in I think at this point, for, once we make 45 more dollars, everyone will get that automatically. And then beyond that, we have a, um, a sexy cosplay, demon cosplay print that's going to be coming. And then more and more stuff. So, yeah, man. I mean, the, the more people who hop on, the more extra goodies for everybody. Awesome. Awesome. And we will definitely have a link to that Kickstarter campaign in the show notes so people can just uh, click on it and check it out. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of demons, uh, Mike, I think I think he's ready to get uh, a little demonic in the geek seat now. Well, you know, Chuck, this is really the real reason we actually have you up here. We wanted to just, you know, secretly we've wanted you up here for some time. And the geek seat, you know, basically tells us who it wants as its next victim. We don't choose. So congratulations. You've been picked. Your number oh, has I, come up, my friend. I love that. I, in fact, looked ahead and thought what are the questions? And I got so excited because those are those guys, those are great geek out questions. Like seriously. <laughs> well, I'm glad you think so. You know, we've had people. It's good, in it's good that he starts in a good mood. Oh, of course we've had people <laughs> yeah. in tears on this thing before. So it's good <laughs> that he's, he's such, he's such a positive attitude. I love it. I truly, truly love it. Thank you. Okay. Chuck, what was your favorite geek out moment? Guys, it's got to be uh, Wolverine number 75. When Wolvie pops the bone claws, oh, I remember reading yes. that and just going, whoa, holy crap, that's another level. And that that blew me away. I mean, well, there's been other That was a game changer ones. completely. It was an absolute and, – and as someone, I am a short, hairy Canadian. Like I, I'm originally from Canada, moved down here, and so – Wolverine is my dude and seeing that and, and those scenes and all that, it was just, it blew me away. Oh, I could totally understand that. That was, that was such a wow moment. Cause that was right after Magneto had removed all the antimantium from his skeleton. That's right. I know. Yes. I'm geeking out too. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? yeah, 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 I know. What That's a great thing about a good geek out. Well, <laughs> we can all do is. it together. Of course. <laughs> Share your geek out with your friends, which is a good thing. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh, man. You know what? So I don't like to slam on anybody else or anything like that. But um, I've heard only amazing things about Eric Larson, and I like what he does. But he did a run on Wolverine, again, huge Wolverine fan. And basically his idea was he wanted to show that Wolverine was, um, was not as good without the adamantium which bothered me because I thought they were just getting to the point where they were really showing that he could actually be effective with the bones. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like, okay, whatever, you know, 
I understand that writers have their own prerogatives. That's fine. But he ended up putting up, up against people that he probably couldn't have beaten in the first place. And one of them was Galactus. And I was like, that's that's lame, dude. Like he was never he was never gonna beat him with the with the uh, with the adamantium anyway. So why would you do that? So that was one where I really had my hopes up, and I was really hoping for some big stuff, and it just did not go the way I was hoping for. Nope, I completely respect that. I completely respect that one. What geeks you out the most? You know what? It's those gasp moments. You know, like you, you, um, I mean, I was a huge Lost fan. And at the end of every episode, you're just like, oh, crap, I got to watch the next one. Anytime you can just get grabbed like that. Any of those gasp moments. Another one, like when you said, what's your favorite geek out moment? I went to a bunch and um, one of them is, dude, Mjolnir. When Cap catches Mjolnir in uh, Endgame, mm-hmm. holy crap. I mean, that was just... You you can't you you build up to those moments and no one sees them coming and so it's just it's those twists and those kinds of stuff that just gets me so <laughs> oh yeah I remember when I saw it at the theater everyone cheered when that happened yeah of course they did yeah That's at right. every theater I've ever heard of what turns your geek off toxic fandom ooh there's too much of that out there anyway right. right now. You know what? I mean, just let us love what we love. The fact of the matter is, most of us geeks, we were all picked on as kids, and now we're going to be picked on as adults by other adults. Are you kidding me right now? By other you know, geeks? Like, Come on, you know? Exactly. No. Exactly. You're, you're you're picking on your own guys. Like let them let them like their own thing. Who cares if they're a brony? If that's what they enjoy, cool. It's not like they're forcing you to enjoy it. Nope. Agreed. You, you're not hearing any argument on me on that one because <laughs> that's actually our number one answer for that question. So that's good. Oh, good. Yes. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? I know I've been very Wolverine centric here, but I think it would be him because he is one of those people who I don't think he would give a crap about me. I could sit down, I could have a beer beside the guy and I would never be afraid of disappointing him because he just wouldn't care. And no. like sitting beside someone like Captain America, you'd be like, uh, uh, you, you wouldn't know what to say, but with Wolverine, he doesn't, he, he might not even notice that you're there. So, you know, at least the, you know, the chances of me disappointing him would be very, very low and I'd be okay with that. And okay. I could tell everyone I had a beer with Wolverine. That's badass. Mm-hmm. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Same one. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, that was when I actually, you know what? The Hulk. <laughs> I think we would all be truly frightened to see the Hulk when he's full on doing his thing. And Bruce Banner is not exactly the kind of guy that I think I would uh, enjoy my time with anyways. He's he's super into all this stuff that is just way too out there for me. So I, I think it would probably end up being the Hulk. Okay. No, understandable. You know, you see someone green running towards you. You just run the other direction. Right. Oh yeah. No, understandable. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? You know what? I love the automatopoeia that are created for different characters. Uh, Mm -hmm. Words like snicked and bamf. As soon as you see them, you know, and especially like Nightcrawler's bamf. 
Mm-hmm. It, it creates that sound. You you feel that gust of wind that pops open when he jumps and, and teleports. So I, I think it would probably be Bamf. You just, again, you feel it. And, and so I, I love those words. Oh, yeah. I totally could see that. Because even as a kid, when I saw Bamf, I even pictured what it would smell like, you know, because they, they always said right? it smelled like brimstone. And, you know, it's just, it's awesome. So I had to go to one of those candle shops. Do you have a brimstone candle so I could smell what it's... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you don't want to smell that. It's like, kid, you don't want that. <laughs> Here, have some patchouli instead. It's like, right? It's like, so yeah. Like, Thwip is mm-hmm. another one for mm-hmm. uh, for Spider Man. I mean, oh, yeah. just, like I said, all those words are just so great. The first t- and the first time you s- you heard it on screen, you were like, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's the sound. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. No, totally understand that. What is your ideal geek occupation? I, I think I'm living it right now, man. Um, being living a writer. Yeah, man. Honestly, I'm only a couple of years in. I just signed my first uh, non-disclosure agreement the other day. I'm doing a, uh, I'm, I'm working on a comic right now with a major um, cult horror director. You know, I've, I've got all this really cool stuff happening. I'm being able to work with, you know, someone like Thomas Tenney, who literally did stuff from my youth. Someone like Monty My- Michael Moore, who drew all the, um, magic cards and D and D and all that kind of stuff that I enjoyed. So yeah, I'm living it right now. That's awesome. We just had Monty on a few weeks ago, so it's pretty awesome. Such a good dude. I oh, got he to is amazing. His, yeah, I got to edit his Loco Hero and loved that book. So no, exactly. That's awesome, though. That is really awesome. What geek occupation would you not like to do? <sighs> wow. <laughs> I mean. Probably art. <laughs> I mean, honestly, first off, I'm obviously not that great of it because I'm I'm mostly writing. But I I feel like it's a lot easier to pick at the art than it is at, at writing. You know, and a lot of people tend to focus on it more in comics than they do in writing. It's like, and I've, I, you hear this all the time, where um, good write good art will get you into a book or detract you from it before you even looked at it. And so mm-hmm. knowing that I was the first avenue into that book, there's an intimidation factor that I just would not be excited with. So sure, it would have of to course. be art. No, totally. Yeah. Totally makes sense. All right, Chuck, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? Ooh, I think so. Okay. This is for all the marbles now. So hold on. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Wow. And this was another one where I just had, there's so many things that we all want to do, but I guess more and more, especially like I lost all of this year um, to no, no comic cons and stuff. I want to be able to hang out with my heroes in a bar, like just sit after a convention. We've all worked hard and have an honest to God conversation about, you know, storytelling methods and all that kind of stuff. And just, just sit and talk shop and just have a blast with that. And I think, being able to just have opportunities like that. I mean, I'm already living this terrific life and just having a great go and it's only getting better and better, but that's an opportunity I haven't had yet. And that's something I'm super excited to be a part of. That is awesome, man. That is really awesome. Well, I've got some great news for you, Chuck. You have made it through the geek seat. Congratulations. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. 
You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $13.86. You know how many cups of coffee that is? That's amazing. <laughs> well, it depends where you go. You can, you know, if you go to the gas station where you just drop the lucky quarter in the cup, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or you go to Starbucks and it's two. Like, what are yeah, exactly, the other? Exactly. <laughs> it has been a blast having you on the show. Uh, once again, where can people check out your Kickstarter and where can people go and find you online to see what else you're up to? If you go to Kickstarter and you look up Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L, you'll instantly find it right there. Um, I, uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Chuck P-I-N-E-A-U. You can find me on Twitter at Chucky Pin. I do um, indie comic reviews. I like to talk about other books that I've enjoyed. I don't usually knock down other people's books. So if you want to go to YouTube and look for Chuck's Raw Reviews, you can find me there. And you can find my publishing wing at Bonfire Press on Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. That is awesome, man. Chuck, you you have been amazing to be have on the show. We definitely would love to have you back sometime. I'd be honored. Thank you so much. I had a blast. That is awesome. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with our favorite horror stories. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's box office buzz. This is officially Halloween week, which means my mini-series for Box Office Buzz on my favorite Halloween films is coming to a close. I've had a lot of fun taking a look at some of my favorite spooky films, and I've actually saved the scariest for last, as these are some of my favorite true horror films. It's interesting because in the past, I know I've talked about this before, but I was not really a fan of the horror genre. I thought it was too scary and too gory for me. But really, I came to realize that I was doing the genre a disservice. Because just like every film genre, it's incredibly diverse. There's a whole variety of horror films ranging from monster movies to murder mysteries to psychological thrillers. And what has remained the gold standard of horror movies for me, at least in terms of the one I've seen is the movie Get Out, which does a great job being a scary, entertaining film, but also digging really deeply into the concept of institutionalized racism and how people who claim to be allies can still be doing things to perpetuate racism in society. So this movie was a really big eye-opener, highly recommend it. I think everyone should watch it. I also like the movie A Quiet Place, which is about monsters that hunt by sound in this family that's trying to survive in this post-apocalyptic world populated by these monsters. And, of course, again, does a good job being scary. The monsters are terrifying, especially when you don't see them, and the film just hints at them and what they can do. But it also is incredibly moving about this family's love for each other and their attempts to kind of hang on to their humanity despite this horrible time that they're going through. So yeah, those are two definitely my favorite horror films, at least for now, but I'm curious about diving into more. Like I said, there are all kinds of monster movie flicks, psychological thrillers, so I would love to hear some of your recommendations are, what are some great movies for people that are just getting into the horror genre to watch, whether it be classic or newer stuff? I'm definitely open, so please send it my way. And I hope all of you have a safe and fun Halloween and you get to watch some great spooky films. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? 
What? We're Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here for our spooky segment, and we're joined by some very special guests. Mr. Mike, who do we have with us? We have with us uh, the folks from this Epic Disaster podcast We're joining us on the show to, to conclude our countdown to Halloween. Uh, we have Rick and Sherry. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the station. Thank you. Thank you so much it's, for having us. so many cobwebs here and ghosts. It, it's so scary. Yeah, we. It, you know what? That's not decoration. Uh, JD, oh. J, JD just hasn't cleaned in like ages. So, oh, no. so yeah. I didn't point it out. You know, yeah. um, but uh, it's been way too long since you guys have visited us here on the station. So we are mm-hmm. glad to have you with us. Now, uh, for those people who are listening to our show, um, we are going to talk about uh, some spooky stories, some scary stories, some ghost stories, some real, some maybe real. You know, we'll leave that up to the listeners. Um, but uh, this is actually part two of our discussion. Uh, we actually started this uh, on the, ep- the latest episode of This Epic Disaster. And uh, how can people find that real quick? Thisepicdisaster.com. Right. Or they can, uh, they can find us on um, anywhere you can download podcasts. And we're also on Facebook. This is a crossover <laughs> episode, and we are happy to participate. Yes, we all talked about our uh, uh, some of our favorite uh, ghost stories, but there's plenty of of ghost stories. Uh, there's literally, like you know, as as uh, the uh, you know one of my favorite places on Earth, the Haunted Mansion, says, nine hundred and ninety nine happy haunts. Right? We're not going to be able to get to all of those, uh, but we are going to like strap ourselves to our doom buggies and uh, ride ride it, ride this out a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to jump right in. Um, let's talk about some new stories, some ones that we didn't on your show. Uh, I know, like you said, there's plenty more to talk about. Uh, we'll start with you, Sherry. What uh, what's a story from uh, from your past or one that haunted you? Oh, um, I'd be happy to start. Um, There is, okay, everybody is familiar with some version of the boogeyman or the bogeyman or whatever he's been called in your family history. Everybody has some sort of boogeyman. Some parents use this to scare their children into behaving, which I think is cruel and unusual. Um, But there's also, okay, so there is a story written by one of my favorite authors, Mind you, I read this when I was seven years old. It's a short story in a book of stories by Stephen King called Night Shift. And he has a short story in there called The Boogeyman. Now, I had never really heard a scary guy called The Boogeyman prior to this. But I will tell you that this story affected me deeply. Mind you, I was seven when I read it. Um, And... Because of this story, I was unable to sleep with my closet door open in any home I lived in until I was in my 30s. Um, 
there was just something about the way that Stephen King writes, obviously he's one of my favorite authors, um, but something descriptive in this story that made me feel like there really is something in my closet and it is going to get me unless the closet door is shut because apparently you can't open the closet door from the inside. Um, so even today, when I, when I, when I think about it too hard, or if I wake up in the middle of the night with a little bit of heebie-jeebies, now currently I cannot shut my closet door because it's got things hanging all over. It's got clothes and, you know, whatnot, but I just don't look in there. I just, I just don't totally look totally in the closet. You just grab you know, whatever's in there and pull it out. I mean, in daylight, it's perfectly fine. Okay. I can barely fit in my closet. I have one closet in my entire apartment. I, you know, everything lives in there, including my Christmas tree. So um, I, you know, I get it. In daylight, it's perfectly fine. But at night, shadows move, mm-hmm. things change. And if you really think hard enough, something will come out of that closet and get you. Really? Yes. Wow. It's true. <laughs> so cool. I just don't look in there. <laughs> That's fair. I think uh I must say, I think uh I always associated the with the boogeyman with like actual nose boogers. Uh-oh. So so I always thought he was more disgusting than scary. Uh um uh but yeah, thank goodness my parents never really used that uh trick to freak me out because you know what's funny i was never really ever scared by scared by the boogeyman until nightmare before christmas and then oogie boogie, <laughs> oogie boogie. oh i love oogie boogie he's so cute uh, and easily destroyed because you just pull a string and he unravels mm-hmm. and then his grubs come out exactly i should also point out though for people who um have listened yet to this uh, week's episode of this epic disaster. Um, we um, also on that show, we are, tr- we tried out a new beer called Haunted House from Allagash uh, in Maine. And uh, we are continuing with, with that, with that beer and that beverage. Uh, so um, yeah. So these stories should get more interesting as the night develops. Uh, <laughs> If you're afraid that we're going to swear or have potty mouths, you're probably right. <laughs> um, so we are um, on to number two. So yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and yes, the this this beer um, is available, like I said, in fine shops and six point six six percent alcohol by volume. So um, the spirit is literally in us as we're recording this. Actually, uh, so with Halloween, it was sold out in a lot of places. I had to go to five different places. And I ended up going down to Tucker to go get it, you know. So the place, because no place up by me actually had it. So Sunday we took a ride down into town and it was just like, wow, this is the big city here. So, you know. Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's that show. Uh, is it a podcast? A show? Drunk history, right? So yep. this, okay. will, this will kind of be like drunk ghost stories, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I see nothing wrong with that. No, no, this might become I this. I, I can see where this could become an annual tradition. Um, I hope so. <laughs> uh, Rick, what's a what's a story you got for us? All right, so this is a great story because when I was a kid, and I knew nothing about this, but my dad. My dad was uh, raised in uh, Sneedville, Tennessee, which is uh, upper uh, east corner of Tennessee, up close to uh, Virginia, up in that area. But I mean, really, really rural farm community. And so he used to tell the story 
I remember back in the 70s when my dad got uh, a CB radio for the first time. And so he chose as his CB handle, Bloody Bones. And I had no idea what that was. And he told me, he said, when I was a kid, um, whenever we would do anything that was wrong, we were always told that Rawhead and Bloody Bones would get us. Oh, wow. These are like country people um, up in the hills of East Tennessee, <laughs> scaring the crap out of kids. So um, I uh, I looked this up, and this is actually, it's an actual legend, and it has its origins in Great Britain. Okay, tell us about it. Um, now, I always thought my dad was saying rawhide and bloody bones, but it's rawhead. And there's some, uh, sometimes they say that this is known as rawhead or Tommy rawhead or just rawhead and bloody bones. Okay. So um, the, what was the Clive Barker film? Um, rawhead Rex mm. was kind of, it took some of the legend and incorporated it into the movie. So originally... Um, it started in Great Britain and then it spread to North America and kind of made its way into the southern United States. And so it was kind of used as a way to make kids behave. Okay. You know, just like what my dad said, if you don't behave, raw head and bloody bones will get you. But there's a couple things that I found on this that were really creepy on this description. So um, uh, in the, I guess it's a book called Somerset folklore it says that rawhead uh, bloody bones lived in a dark cupboard usually under the stairs if you were heroic enough to peep through a crack you would get a glimpse of the dreadful crouching creature with blood running down his face seated waiting on a pile of raw bones that had belonged to children who told lies or said bad words. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if you peed through the keyhole, he got you anyway. Um, <laughs> so you either lie, you say bad words, or you look through a people. You're screwed no matter what. Oh, All right. So this is in the southern United States. Rawhead and Bloody Bones uh, sometimes were regarded as two individual creatures or two separate parts of the same monster. One is a skull stripped of skin that bites its victims, and that's rawhead, um, or its companion, which is a dancing, headless skeleton, and that's bloody bones. And in one tale, a gossip loses his head to the monster as punishment for his wicked tongue. <laughs> and it said that the bloody bones uh, legend eventually made its way to African-American tradition and spread all across United States. I'd never heard of this, but that's terrifying. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they would put raw head and bloody bones together because clearly bloody bones doesn't have a head. No, they need each and other. Yeah, they're, they're like a match made in heaven. Oh, kind of like our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so you guys will haunt the world forever doing forever. podcasts. Doing <laughs> podcasts <laughs> and trying out beers. It's awesome. Yes. You guys and, have uh, some we... traumatic childhood and some nasty, <laughs> some nasty <laughs> parents, <scary>. man. <laughs> My, all of my dad's, all of my dad's uh, family were school teachers, and I can just hear them using this as ways to get kids to behave. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. I could. Wow, that is that's some stuff. Uh, Mike, that's terrifying. What, Mike, what do you got? What do I got? Oh, what do I have? Well, a couple different things. Um, actually, I will talk about. Um, on the other show, I talked about Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and. 
in Gettysburg, there is a very famous hotel in the city. Because I talked about the battlefields, and a lot of people know the Civil War stories about Gettysburg and everything like that. Well, in the basically in the 1800s, there what is now a Quality Inn, which is a very nice hotel, by the way, folks. <laughs> uh, but there's a Quality Inn, and the Quality Inn in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, was once the headquarters of Robert E. Lee during the civil during the battle there, and <gasps> during that battle, it was revealed that you know some people there you know were not supposed to be there. You know, some people were spying on him, and so, uh-huh. and they were killed. Oh no! And everything and executed, and they say now that the, their souls are haunting that hotel. And the quality in. Yeah, the quality in. <laughs> It, it was not a quality inn in 1863 here. Okay, sorry. Yeah. The ghosts are like, hey, it used to be nice around here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, look what you did for it, you know. But um, but there's, you can actually, they say that people who stay at the hotel can actually sometimes hear musket fire or, right, because oh, wow. they didn't have, you know, automatic guns really. Towards the end, you know, they maybe had some revolvers starting at the very end of the war but not anything really before that. But you, they also say they hear cannon fire in the middle of the night, waking them up. Oh, and Yeah, that would wake me up. Is yeah. there a highway? No, it isn't. Because <laughs> that could be a car backfiring. Yeah. You never know. You know, there's reports of, you know, doors and being opened and closed and, you know, and stuff like that, you know, in the middle of the mm-hmm. night. But it's just like, it's pretty cool stuff in the legend. Yeah. Are just are just awesome, in everything what they have, and and it, and it shows it shows like uh, even though um, progress is made in the area, you know it moved from what it used to be. Now it's a quality inn, and it's you know travelers stay there for a night on their way to wherever. Um, it, the the energy and and the the history is still there and mm-hmm. can still be felt. You just have to remember never build a house on top of a Indian burial ground. You know. That's, that's, you know, you just have that to, would be wise. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. You know, just you know, if you move the gravestones but leave the bodies, that's even worse. You know, Steven, that's, yeah. Steven Spielberg that's, knows all about that one. So, <laughs> which is pretty cool. I don't think he actually ever did it, but yeah. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> well, uh, while we're talking about places to stay and hotel experiences that you can have, um, all right, so. I mentioned a lot of uh, some of the ghost stories that I grew up with in New England on you guys' show. Um, and probably the best known uh, horror story that happened in New England, or one of the biggest ones, is Lizzie Borden, right? Uh, mm-hmm. oh, Fall, River, Fall River, Massachusetts, uh, just uh, shy of, of uh, um, Connecticut, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Rhode Island, sorry. Um, and, uh, well, um, and, and yeah, the, the, the story of Lizzie Borden is, is pretty, like I said, pretty famous. Uh, even our friends, the casket creatures wrote a really good, good song, Lizzie song about it. Um, so if you haven't heard that, check it out and that'll explain all about what happened. But in 1892, uh, Lizzie Borden hacked her mother-in-law and father to death, um, in this house. Well, this house is now a bed and breakfast. Oh, yes, nice. I've heard. 
So, so yes, you can stay there. Uh, you can stay there and the owners will do everything they can to make sure your experience is a memorable one. Uh, there are pictures all over the place of the murders. Um, there are other assorted props in, in, the, in the house as well. A lot of the house is pretty much the way it looked back then, or at least has that look to it. Um, the, the bed that, uh, the murder room, uh, is actually the room where you stay. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, and the bed that you sleep in, if you can, is, is, is in the same place. I don't think it's the exact same, like, you know, mattress and whatnot, but, um, well, clearly is, yeah. the, is in the exact same place as, as that bed, uh, where, oh. um, yeah. Um, wow. there's, uh, yeah, there's a yeah, lot, no. uh, like no. it's, it's creepy. Um, I have seen, I have not stayed there. Um, I don't know that I would <laughs> if given the opportunity, cause this is really? something, something that you have to pay for. So if somebody um, came to you, Mike Gordon and said, I got 50 bucks. Will you stay here? Yeah, no. Um, okay. I, I don't, I doubt, you know, they are, um, uh, I mean, it was given five stars. Uh, so as a, you know, it's a five star restaurant, uh, hotel. Um, so, um, I haven't been able, like, I was looking to see how much it would cost, but I don't think they're doing, um, I don't think they're doing stuff right now. Uh, so, so it, it, they don't have either they don't have any vacancies right now or they're not in operation right now but uh you could probably, um, you could probably a, a cut rate <laughs> there's um there is a museum there so if you don't want to spend the night uh you can go and check it out take pictures and whatnot um but some like i said some of the reports that i've seen some of the you know people that have been there and online reported um, it's a creepy experience. They do a pretty good yeah. job at uh, maintaining that atmosphere. It's pretty creepy. That would be fun. But the, here's the thing is that the bed is in the exact same position as the murder bed, if you will. Um, that means that if there is a ghost reliving the event, you're likely either sleeping on top of them yeah. or they're sleeping on top of you. They're real familiar with the layout. Yeah. yeah. Even, even, even in your head, your bed is just inches away from a actual person had her skull split in two with an axe. Right. Like now that, you mentioned when you first started talking about it, you said it was their her mother and father in law. It, so it was uh yeah, it was her stepmother. That her father oh. her father and her stepmother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure oh, if a lot of people that, I'm, I'm that's not sure okay then. Of, it's all right. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, if I totally lot, understand that. And yeah. that's one of the things about the legend. I don't think a lot of people understand that that it was her stepmother. Makes sense now. Yeah. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's, yeah. All, it's all good. It's all good now. No problem. I, I, I support her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with Lizzie. Let's go. So, uh, so yeah, check that out in Fall River. That's uh, now um, we've gotten some also some ideas for stories from some of our listeners. Oh, we uh, do. Mike, Mike, you're monitoring that. Uh, I you've got, am. Uh, you've got a couple of those to report to us. 
Yeah, this one actually quite a few of us might know about. Mark Heffernan, who used to live in California, and he's one of our patrons, actually. Hi, Mark. Uh, wanted to us to talk about the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. And, you know, this is an interesting, interesting place. Uh, It's basically a house that this woman who moved from the East Coast because her husband had passed away from, I think, you know, a disease and her the little child did also and so she was grief stricken so she moved out to san jose california and she bought this like eight bedroom farmhouse and started renovating it and never stopped Ooh. It, it it is amazing it is now this little eight you know this little eight room you know eight room bedroom you know farmhouse is now twenty four thousand square feet it, what? It has yeah. 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 160 rooms, 52 skylights, 47 stairways and fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bedrooms, 6 kitchens, and built at a price tag of $5 million in 1923. And the only reason they stopped working on it is she passed away. So, so let me ask you this: If, if I remember correctly, because I read about this, it's fascinating. Did, aren't there some stairways that go nowhere? Yes. And, yes, and then there's some rooms that have no real purpose. No, there's no purpose. Some of them don't have windows, anything. Right. You just you there's a, just a room, and you don't know it. And people say that she was either crazy or she was building this for her her dead family. That she was being yeah. haunted by it. The real, the real horror of the house is that it's a nightmare to clean. Oh, I'm I sure. I can imagine. Yes. Well, that's why they, <laughs> they they do tours. That's why they you know have it clean now. So it's pretty awesome. So yeah, the, it, the first time I ever saw about or heard about this place actually was back in the '70s on the TV show Real People. I don't know if you ever. Oh, wow. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. they went they went to go visit it, and it it is an amazing place, and. I would love to go visit this place just to see and everything because they let you they do tours through it daily and it's pretty awesome. So that's in the San Jose area and that is awesome. If anybody listening wants to go and visit there, I suggest a trip uh, just a little bit north to San Francisco because if you want to stay at a haunted hotel, San Francisco is the place to be. There have been so many well-known people that have died in hotels in San Francisco and bed and breakfasts and little man well little mansions, I say, mm-hmm. that used to be, you know, single family homes that are now inns that have several rooms. Um, like Al Jolson, William Harding, one of our presidents died in, well, William Harding died in the palace. Al Jolson died in um, uh, St. Francis Hotel, which is now the Westin St. Francis. Um, so many people have died there and they, they all build it up and say that they're being haunted by all these. So yeah, California coastline, that's the place to be. Oh yeah. Hotels. You know, Very if you're going to be so. haunted by somebody, if it's haunted by a famous person, that's kind of cool. Like, like that's, prefer- <laughs> that's preferable. Like if you're haunted by some no name person off the street, like yeah. that, that's just, that's... I mean, how can you t- boast to your friends about that? You know, at least if it's a famous person. Yeah. 
if I was you being haunted by Jerry Garcia or something, how would I know? Because you know he looked dead already. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> gratefully so. Um, he was gratefully dead. Yes. Uh, so all right. So we are through the first round, and uh, I think we're not scarred. Right? We can. We're ready to 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 continue on. Um, uh, Sherry, do you have another one for us? I do actually. Um, I'm trying to decide which of these I want to go into. I think I will go into one um, that is actually personal. It is it is a story that was told to me by a family member of mine of something that happened to him, and it it kind of fits along with a lot of folklore about being on a dusty, dirty road at night uh, and breaking down in your car. And of course there's no street lamps, there's no, you know, passing by traffic. So you're kind of on your own. Well, this particular person, um, was in his car and he got a flat tire out of nowhere. Um, so he had to get out of the car. He was with a, a, a female companion. He had to get out of the car, um, to fix the flat tire. No big deal. Um, it's a little spooky but not out of the ordinary. Um, she chose not to get out of the car. It was a little chilly. So she stayed in the car like you did back then. Um, and he's down, he's hunched over. He's trying to get the tire off and he feels a tapping on his shoulder and he thinks that she's messing with him. Right. So he turns around he's like, Oh, okay. You're going to get out of the car. She wasn't there. She was still sitting in the car. So he stands up and he looks around and he's like, who's there? You know, what's going on? Uh, nobody answers. And he just gets this feeling like he just needs to hurry up, fix this tire and get out of here and just get on with where they're going. Mind you, this is in the back rows of Kentucky around a place called Whitesburg, Kentucky, just so you know. Um, so he he gets out or he finally he gets back to business and he's, he's about to fix his tire. He gets the tire off. He gets the other tire back on. He's going, he stands up with the busted tire to put it in the trunk to take it with him because he doesn't want to leave it by the side of the road. And he hears something running at him and it's panting while it's running at him. Sounds like a dog, for instance, a very large dog. Um, so he stands there for a moment, just kind of silent and he hears it coming closer, closer. And he's just hoping he can see it, maybe kick it out of the way or something before it has a chance to get to him but it runs right past him, brushing up against his leg, and he never saw a thing, but he felt it. He felt it touch his leg. Wow. Now, yeah, yeah. So now he is really kind of, Rex, I guess, I, I don't know if I should swear on your podcast, but yeah, he's, he's upset. We have a beat um, button. It's okay. <laughs> so, so he gets the, the, the tire in the back of the trunk, he slams the trunk, he jumps in the car, and they take off. And they get to where they're going and they're just fine. Now, that's spooky enough as it is, but you could always just write it off and say, you know, yeah, you were freaked out because you were on a dark road having to change tire in the middle of the night. Gotcha. Well, the next day he wants to see if he can salvage the um, busted tire. So he pulls it out of his trunk and it literally, the tire looks like it has been bitten by something. It's got teeth marks in it. Wow. Like, yeah, it doesn't look like he ran over like a nail where he could patch it or anything like that. It looks like it was bitten. Um, he actually, uh, I've seen photographs. They took photographs of it. 
Um, it was a bitten tire. Now, whether that tire goes with the story or not, I don't know. But, you know, this is my family. Are they going to lie to me? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> are, you, are you the same family that told you about the boogeyman? Is that the one we're talking about? <laughs> right, right, right. No, it wasn't my mom's side. So that's good. You know, they're anyways. Um, yeah, so I that one always stuck with me. Like if I'm ever driving at night and it's dark, and I, especially if I don't know where I am, that story comes into my mind and I'm like, just drive slow so that you don't blow a tire. <laughs> You'll get there eventually. Wow. Yeah. That's, that goes along. That's, that sounds like one of those, like, what do they call campfire tales? Oh yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the guy with the hook and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. The guy with the hook. Yeah, yeah. Just tell him large Marge sent you. I mean, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's almost, uh, it, it, yeah, it's almost a cliche to see like, you know, the couple is in the woods breaking, like something breaks down and they have to, you mm-hmm. know, something happens. Uh, oh man. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, Rick, what about you? You got another one for us? I got one more. Uh, this is going to be cheating a little bit. Are you cheating? I'm going to cheat just a little bit. Um, we won't sort tell. Of, we won't bit. tell. Nobody yeah. listens okay, to this. So this is an actual story that um, stems from my uh, childhood. And since we're drinking Haunted House beer, it kind of goes with uh, this story. Uh, and the reason I'm, I'm saying that it's cheating is because um, I actually wrote a uh, a story about this tale and I made a video and it's on my YouTube. Oh, is that so if, if someone wants to see the long version of this and they want to see me telling it, all you got to do is go to YouTube and look up. So the, I call it the Lockhart house, the Lockhart house. So when I was a kid, um, I lived in a very rural area and there was um, behind my house, there was a sawmill and there was like this really uh, old gravel road <clears throat> that kind of went out into the middle of nowhere. And um, it's it's kind of funny because um, about this time last year, my wife and I, uh, drove, and I hadn't been there in years, and we drove out there, and it's still as creepy now as it was then. When I was uh, in high school, there was this huge, like, three-story southern house that was empty and overgrown. There were weeds everywhere. Um and there were so many tales around this house, and it was our community haunted house, I guess. But um, it was back in an area that, if there's something that's haunted, it was definitely back there. Okay. <laughs> so it was really uh, out in the middle of this rural area that was very creepy. And um, one Halloween, I started hearing rumors that um, a bunch of guys from the football team were going to go uh, burn the house down on Halloween. And um, all of a sudden on Halloween, they're burning the house down. There was a big fire and the house went down. But um, there was really kind of potentially some spooky stuff that happened with it, which I won't go into because it's a whole big story, but kind of scary. But that house actually existed, just not, I mean, within walking distance from my house. Creepy. There's a creepy old house. Any personal experiences that were creepy there? Uh, no, just other than looking at it. Just looking at it. <laughs> I mean, the trees and the weeds, I mean, it's so overgrown. No one, you know, could live in that. Surely not. But, um, but yeah, I wish to this day, I wish I'd taken some pictures. Now, when I went back, I actually went to try to find it to take pictures in the house. 
Um, you know, I mean, I was in high school when it burned down. There's no sign of anything around now. It just weeds now. Completely gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say it's now a mall. <laughs> <laughs> No, no one, no one would go to a mall there. Every, everything just turns into a mall, right? Um, it's just too far away from anything to be a mall. Yeah, it was. It was. It's still. It, it's still in a very creepy area. I did take some some pictures out there. Just the creep factor is very high. I uh, I think I don't know. It sounds cliche, but I, I kind of curious. I mean, it sounds. I mean, it, I know in our neighborhood, we had a house that was falling apart that uh somebody allegedly lived in old woman old somebody um and uh you know it was it was one of made of you know we kids used to tease each other about it all the time and make up stories and all that kind of stuff um you know for all i know the people there were really nice or i don't even know i don't i have no idea uh what those kind of people were but but i i think almost you know every neighborhood every community has a house like that right is or a place like that right yes and i grew up with those kind of houses i think a lot of my uh thoughts of what what's scary um isn't is that is stems from that like what's behind these creepy looking houses and And there's actually (laughs) one of my favorite movies actually examines that one of my favorite movies is big fish i was just thinking Mm -hmm. that i was just (laughs) thinking that and they they actually examine what something looks like to you in your childhood as being creepy and scary and an old witch but when you come older you realize that it's just kind of a rundown home with somebody who's not very well off living there and doing mm-hmm. the best that they can. So, so it's, it's all in hindsight, but at the time it's fun to play with that, 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 you know, creep factor. Well, exactly. As a kid, you make it up all these stories and your imagination goes out the window with it and everything. And then as you get older and you realize what's behind it, you try to fix you try to say what can i do to this and that's what he did if you remember yeah in the movie yeah he did and everything he tried, was he awesome. tried to make it better from from or or try to to help the people that at one point may have scared him off exactly um, knowing that they were just you know maybe a little less well off than he was mm-hmm. so and then yeah. his son thought they were all tall tales and they ended up being reality which was even better yeah it's a great movie. Check it out. It's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. I, I yeah. think in, in my current neighborhood, uh, I think the house that fits that description is mine. So, <laughs> so I, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, a lot of kids are daring uh, one another to approach our house. Uh, what will you do when they do? Uh, well, we've got a layer of cats to protect us. So nice. um, feral and uh, not so feral. So we're, we're fairly safe. Um, but um, that just, just adds, adds to the legend, right? It's more, it's kind of like, Haunted house meets uh, pet cemetery, or you know. <laughs> oh, I love oh, it. I love wow! It. And all I realize is that all you have to do is go to his house with apple pie, and you'll be fine. You know, you'll be. It's safe. true. Yeah, it's a layer yeah. of protection. It's it's true. I mean, kids stop even. 
I, I, they stopped coming here for trick or treat. Like the last couple of years, we haven't gotten anybody here for trick or treat. Now that also could be because we don't give out candy. I give out comics. So that could be why too. Um, but <laughs> oh, what's not. wrong with that? Uh, Nothing. You're like, you're like the, the dentist who lived in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, he gives out toothbrushes. Don't look, go there. Look, if comics <laughs> equal toothbrushes, then I, I'm a dentist, you know, like I'll be that, I'll be that world. dentist. So. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So moving on, Mike, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go over to Washington state, move a little bit further up the West coast. Uh, I used to live in Seattle for many years and Bellingham, Washington wasn't all that far from Seattle when I lived out there and Bellingham is a very awesome town. It's almost Canada because it's almost right on the border and Bellingham actually has this great, great theater there. It's called the Mount Baker theater. And it's been around since 1927 and it's been haunted since the day it opened. And it's pretty awesome when you think about it, because there's been reports there that, you know, it's been recorded that includes unexpected noise, cold spots and strange disembodied voices, balls of light and even odd apparitions and everything. And there is a resident ghost there whose name is, judy of all things which is which is pretty funny and for years the theater has been reports that the ghost actually develops crushes on male patrons of the theater and if you sometimes they have had people male sitting there and they felt someone you know touching their shoulder or their back during a show and they're the only ones in the row and there's nobody else around it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Exactly. You say cool, some we say, you know, bad touch. Creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. But you know, when yes. she but when she, for, from when the touching. from when the ghost actually sometimes picks who she has a crush on, she'll even say the person's name and they'll hear it like <gasps> whispers of it in in the theater and everything. Is it supposed to be an actor? They no, it's from before the theater even opened. It's been since oh. since it's since before. Just, just some horny ghost. Yeah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it could have been like some native peoples that lived there? Possibly. There's a very good possibility because I know northern Washington, especially along the Puget Sound, there was a lot of tribes and such. Yes. And so it's just, it's really interesting. And, you know, when the people started settling in the towns and everything, they took over a lot of it was established Indian villages. And and Bellingham Mm -hmm. was a huge, huge uh, logging town. So right before, you know, so it's very possible. So it's pretty cool. There are a lot of theaters that have ghosts. And yeah. um, I had actually, I was going to tell a story about the Bijou Theater in Knoxville that has its own resident ghost. But, um, you know, I'm a theater major and I've done a lot of shows. And so you must uh, have every, seen a lot of careers die on stage. So it's perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his, his especially, my own. yes. Um, <clears throat> but every theater has a ghost light. And the ghost light is, is the one single light that's left on stage all night it never goes off and it's there to keep the ghost story and they call it the ghost light mm. now during the shows they don't have it on but i mean like during no. rehearsals or like when the when the like at night when everybody leaves the ghost light stays on mm. you actually sometimes see like 
if there's no backdrop or something on a stage, you'll see it's like the ghost light mm-hmm. and everything. Like when they break down the sets and everything, it's pretty yep. awesome. There, there's an episode of Doctor Who called Ghost Light, and if it's playing, it keeps me away. So it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, same thing. It's the same, yeah. same exact thing. It has the same exact effect. You will not so let that also- go, Mister Gordon. You just will not let that one go. <laughs> How could I not? It was right there. Um, there's an auditorium in in alaska at the uh, university of alaska anchorage it's the wendy williamson auditorium and there is a ghost several ghosts that haunt that that uh theater um and she one of them a woman ghost does not like long-haired brunette women oh oh um yeah they several women have been um have reported being pushed on the staircase whether wow. they be yeah so somebody's trying to push them down the stairs it's creepy it's it's the uh, hashtag me boo movement yeah. me boo did you just go there yes Ow. i'm sorry wow uh, well and this so- is when the beer starts kicking in <laughs> Yeah, six point six six percent alcohol. <laughs> the evil pushing women down the stairs. I don't know. All right. Uh, um, before we get to our uh, last uh, listener uh, entries, um, I think I'm going to end this one. It's going to be look. This is I consider this pretty famous, and I almost didn't want to mention it because it's so famous. But then again, I've one one of the things I found in my years as I get older is I think things are I take things for granted, and people are like, I've never heard of that, uh, especially younger people. So, uh, but this one is pretty hard to get away from. And uh, when I think back on growing up, and and like terrifying hearing about a terrifying uh, supernatural ghost paranormal experience. My first thought is always to Amityville. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Out in Long Island, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. I mean, I know it's, like I said, I know it's famous, but, um, and I know that the story's been told. And I think just recently, like um, some of the movies, uh, some, uh, what's the, uh, there's been some new movies made about it. Cause yeah. I, I think yes. for a while, though, it was, it kind of disappeared for a while. And then, then that sort of supernatural paranormal stuff came back you know, with, uh, with, a, with a lot of movies. And so I think Amityville was, was put back on the radar of a lot of people, but this thing, man, um, you know, in 19, all right. So the murders happen in 1974, right. Um, uh, Ronald DeFeo Jr. Shoots and kills six members of his family. Um, then uh, a year later, a year later, <laughs> a family moves into the house uh, with a lot of the same furniture still in it. Um, and they stay there for not even a month. 28 yep. days later, they're out of there because yep. of all this stuff that's happening into this house. And look, there's a there was a book in 1976 that came out about it, and that terrified everybody. Uh, the movie was scary, um, at least to me. And I was only about, what, nine, ten when it came out. So um, I just heard about it. And then when I finally saw it, you know, I saw a probably a, uh, you know, tamer version on TV or whatever. But it was on, you know, it was on the news. It was on In Search Of. I think Leonard Nimoy talked about this sh- this uh, show as well. 
uh, on uh, this this house. Um, but this thing was terrifying. Um, I think it was the inspiration behind the Poltergeist movies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so much more. So um, I've actually I driven about- by. I've driven by the house. It's not that big. I was actually surprised. And it's just in the neighborhood. <laughs> you kind of think it's this big, huge thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like that was it. It's just yeah. a house. It's just a house, <laughs> literally. And the house, the house right next door to me has those same windows, the two big windows at oh, the yeah. top that are sure. kind of curved. Mm-hmm. And 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 I live like at the end of a cul-de-sac behind another house, so I'm all alone looking at a window or a house that looks just like that. So yeah, preach me. Just yeah, always worry if those windows turn red. You know, that's yeah, the house worry. itself. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the exterior from that side, the house itself looks like it's got eyes and teeth. Um, yeah. I mean, yes. It, it's it's in a lot of ways it's like a perfect storm of 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 one of these incidences. Um uh it's it's a house that I will not stay at. Um, so I got a I, nice fifty dollar bill for you, Mikey. I just no, no, that's uh, no, no. Um, uh, yeah. So I was kind of curious about, like, I was one of those things that I was thinking about doing a show on, but uh, like a whole de- dedicated a whole you know Halloween episode on it. But like, yeah, no, because a I'd probably have to read all that stuff and do research and watch the movies and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. Like that's like I don't even like. Yeah, this is, even though it didn't happen to me, it's deep-seated in my memory as, like, the most horrifying experience that you could have paranormal-wise. Or just as a person. I mean, he murdered nine members of his family. Or was it six? Six. 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 But still, even if it's just... Six, nine. (laughs) (laughs) But even if it... I'm dyslexic. I transpose numbers, sorry. That's right. But even if it's... Even if it's it's just that, that is still horrific in itself. You know? And you don't want to... You don't want to replay that too many times in your mind. Yeah. They they even made a 3D movie about it. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Amityville. So the toilet was like Amityville three. Out. I think was in three D, uh, right? Um, wow. Uh, I don't know. I you know there's there's I haven't really kept up with it since the first incident. I know that they've been like having all these you know movies and stuff about it. I don't know if it still happens. Uh, I don't know who's living there now. I don't even know what the situation is. It seems like it was up for uh, sale recently. Is it? Yeah, shocker, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oof. No. Uh, no. Last I heard, the the house is still standing. It's been oh, yeah. restored, and there is a family living there. Last yeah. I heard, but of course, this is just you know what you see on the internet. So what do I know? Well, I'll tell you what. Never if they, believe what if, you hear on the internet. They, Come on. <laughs> uh, if they do, yeah, I see you're right. Uh, well, it just um, well, I don't know. Ten years ago, it said it sold for um, almost a million dollars. Not quite. Yeah, but also uh, if I had a million dollars, but you know, I think also a nightmare, a, a nightmare about that is if you lived in it, you get people constantly, like you know, coming to your house. Cool. Yeah. Idea. That's the same. And, that's and the not same sane the, people, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the same as the as the where Sharon Tate lived, and that's the same as where the what was it the other family that died then to the the 
Lagiano, no, I'm not saying that right, but the Labianco family. The Labianco house gets so many more visitors because it's closer to town. Could you imagine living in that house and having people want to come stare at your house because, you know, the Manson family killed somebody? There's a, there's actually a documentary, and I can't remember the name of it, but uh, in the documentary, the guy goes to that house and the person who's living there invites him in. Yeah. Wow. It's just weird. Oh, yeah. It's, well, the the guy I guess that bought it in seventy seven said nothing weird ever happened to him except for people coming by because of the book and the movie. So, <laughs> so but I mean you know the reputation alone. Um, but yeah, the idea of it. Um, and I know there's other instances, of course, you know, um, with houses and, and experiences like this. But this one is so violent. I mean, there's you know I talked about on you guys' show. I talked about how. You know, ghosts were were sort of meant to be were sort of sympathetic towards them, but I think there's also this contingent of ghosts and spirits that are just angry. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. and that that I think is is terrifying. That idea is terrifying. Something that that something that's just angry at you, and you can't. There's nothing you you can't see it. You can't. What do you? How do you fight that? Yeah, you can't. You, you can't. can't. There's no way. Some people would say that that is an actual entity and, you know, I'm not going to, to disparage that, that thought process, but other people would say that that is just some leftover, like screwed up energy that because of what happened there, that was so intensely violent, um, that energy has nowhere to go except, you know, in any living entity it can find. It's just, you know, some people would say it's just energy, but yeah, it's still horrible, awful energy. So there's still, you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. How do you get rid of it? I just wonder how much of it is mental too, though. But, I, you know, like you're, you're in the, you have that house and you're in the house and you drop the casserole dish and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> but like normally. Someone shoved me. Yeah. Normally. Yeah. Like if I dropped it here, it wouldn't be a big deal. But anything you just make that, your wife clean it up. Yeah, anything that happens there, you you bl- you're gonna blame a ghost for it. You know. Yeah. No, sure. of course. Yeah, you're gonna but, be overly sensitive to noises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. But the thing is, like when after somebody passes at like your grandmother or something at their home or something, and you're walking through, there's times you feel like you could still feel the person in the house. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And everything. Yeah, and so. and they 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 walk past you. You can smell their perfume or cologne or you know whatever. It it it, it, it you get that for sure. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's mm. it is what it is. Oh yeah. Until the cops tell you to get rid of the body. Right, and yeah. then you, you have <laughs> you to. Yeah, exactly. You have Plus to take the it. Perfume walks if away. the cops yeah. are the ones telling you to get rid of the body, it's already too late. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you've that's already you, you've messed up. Um, you've got caught. Uh, you've missed a crucial moment there. <laughs> so, so Mike, we have a few more from our listeners. Yeah, here's an interesting one. Um, one of our listeners, um, Alex Eret, he he just wrote us. He said he had a ghost point his convoy in the wrong direction, and it ended up saving uh, his whole platoon from a roadside bomb. Oh wow! Where was wow. that? Where was and, that? Uh, he said. I asked him. He said, "You know." I said, "Thank you for your service." Where were you deployed at the time? He said he did three rotations through Afghanistan and two through Iraq. So, oh, wow. 
it could if he didn't say where it was but that's just it's just crazy you know that's and intense it is intense and so, you know do you know why we determined it was a ghost that put him in the wrong direction or in the wrong direction or just I'd, i just read him yeah okay yeah just curious and, and you know if he says it's a ghost damn it it's a ghost you sure know? sure i'm not i'm not disputing it you know no it's and it's but it's interesting because you know you do have things like that happening all the time and you have people you know who say you know guide them a different direction you know oh I, I had a, a feeling come over me that I had to turn right here. And if I would have turned left, there was a 12, there right at the same time, there's a 12 car pileup where everyone died or something, you know, it's, it's, it's Boston brand at work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they didn't get the ghost. I always, I feel like that, you know, what about all the people who actually hit um, a, a landmine? It's like, it's like slacker ghosts. Like, Oh, I meant to warn them. Sorry. Oops. Sorry. Yeah, it was, their, their ghost was Maxwell Smart. Would you believe missed it by that much? <laughs> <laughs> so we had another listener, uh, Pamela Mulder, actually. Um, interesting name, you know, Mulder. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the truth is out there. It's okay. But uh, she said there's an urban legend in university I attended that a girl killed her roommate and now the room is haunted. Pretty sure it was featured on a ghost hunting show at some point, but, but it's not true. You know why? She says, as the room in question was mine and my roommate broke her back in an accident at school and had to go home for a while. I found out it was an urban legend when she found out that people were starting to talk about her room. <laughs> so, so, so this was a girl who broke her back and had to go home to recuperate. And the story is about this person that's writing to you, killing her. Yeah. That her roommate had was, had killed her, you know, that, that okay. she had killed oh her roommate and everything, but they didn't say it was her, that the person who lived in that room killed their roommate. Oh. Wow. Wow. Talk about, mm. you know, urban legends from hell. Yeah. You're like, I'm right here. It wasn't me. I promise. You're talking <laughs> right to me. Come on. Exactly. It's my room. It's like, I, I'm right here. Come on. <laughs> you know too much. Exactly. Why don't you come to my room? Mm. <laughs> Why don't you come to my room to find out? <laughs> So it's like, ah, I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, there's also something it's called um, the conjuring house. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. Oh, yeah, that's, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a, the Warrens, right? Yeah. That's, that's, Ro- the, that's the new, that's the new Amityville, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so the Warrens, the Conjuring, okay, so the movie The Conjuring was about the Warrens, who were an actual ghost hunting couple. Um, it's what Annabelle stems from, it's what the movie's Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Conjuring blah, 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 stem from. Um, but they were real people, and they did real, you know, paranormal investigation, and they honestly felt like things were were happening around them, and, and they have record of it whether it's proof or not they have it so yeah it's a, so, and it's, so yeah it's a real life house and you could actually spend the night in it if you dare no no yes. no <laughs> no and that uh that was given to us by kevin cafferty thank you kevin appreciate it 
so there's you know those are some of the best ones that we got you know there's you know people liking you know beetlejuice and there's you know other movies and horror stuff that they like and yeah, yeah. but it's not the point of tonight and everything right no 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 but it's no, really cool. yeah um now i think we've touched on it a little bit but to end uh you know to end the segment i and to end our our crossover um i think we've talked a little bit about personal experiences but i have never I can never say definitively that I've had any experience uh, paranormal wise. Um, I'm open to it uh, in some ways. I don't want, you know, the Amityville experience here. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, although, you know, a little, a little sexy touch on the shoulder might be okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> go to that, go to that one in, uh, where is that? that one theater. In, in, yeah. That yeah. theater. Um, but uh so but, I can't say that I've experienced anything like that. Bellingham, um, Washington's not that far, Mike. You can go. It wouldn't take you <laughs> I'm not that desperate um, for, <laughs> for contact. But thanks. If, I, if I'm if i in need, you know, I know where to go. Um, it's either uh, there or go to the Claremont Lounge. It feels about the same. God, I'm just thinking <laughs> of, uh, I can't, nah, I can't think of that. Uh, nothing but that scene in Ghostbusters with Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but uh, so, Rick and Jerry, have you had, do you have personal experience? Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm not a ghost believer. Now, I'll tell you what happened to me. And and what's weird is, even though I was in, I, I saw this happening, I don't believe it. But anyway, <laughs> I was I was driving home. I was doing a job in New York. I was driving home from New York. I was coming, it was back when I lived in Chattanooga. And I was driving, I'd just gotten through Knoxville and I was in Lenore City. Um, and it was farm community. It's complete darkness. There's no, um, there were no uh, traffic lights, uh, street lights, anything. Just total darkness, clear sky. And I, I mean, it's. I grew up in East Tennessee. Was, I know the area very well. So I'm in a van. I'm by myself driving down the interstate, and I see over the hill comes. I think it was like. It was almost like fireworks, these orbs, these lights kind of shooting up into the sky, almost like fireworks, just just three of them. Thank you. And I just watched them. I was like, what the heck is that? And I originally thought it was fireworks. And they rose up into the sky and then they came across onto where I was driving on the interstate. They stopped and just hung right above the interstate and I watched them as I drove underneath them and then they disappeared I to this day I don't know what they are why I mean it's the closest thing to a UFO I've ever seen I'm not a believer in that stuff but I also know you know I was I there were no lights around where there could have been reflections there was nothing I, and I tried to come up with an excuse for what it could be, and I couldn't come up with anything. It, I, I saw as clear as anything. I saw these lights shoot up over the horizon, float over to the interstate, just linger above the interstate, and I passed right underneath them, and they disappeared. And if you could have seen the hand gestures and bodily movements he made while he described that, you would believe him. And the one I'm making right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow no, yeah that's, that's 
I would say that's that's the most freaky um, um, experience, like paranormal paranormal experience I've ever had. Yeah. Wow. And now he's rocking back and forth in his chair. Yeah. I just peed. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. Wow. So, so I have as well. I've had I've had an experience, um, and 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 there are multiple explanations for this experience that I've come up with that doctors have come up with, if you will. Um, so I was between the ages of eight and ten, and and I was in bed, and I had I was laying there, and I I can't remember if I was previously asleep or not. I assume I was, and my best explanation for this is a night terror. Um, but I was lying in bed and there was a figure, a shadowy figure at the end of my bed, standing there looking at me and I tried to scream and I was literally paralyzed and I could not scream. And that figure was there and that figure walked out of my bedroom. Um, I know this to be nobody in my household um, because it didn't, it didn't reflect anybody's body shape that it might be, but I was terrified. Um, and, and I literally had my mouth open trying to scream and nothing was coming out. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that was the first time that kind of thing happened, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've had those kinds of experiences. Um, and again, with the closet, I, I just won't be opening my closet tonight that's for sure <clears throat> but yeah so the, the, I mean is it night terrors is it a little kid being afraid of the dark um I've been afraid of the dark this didn't feel like it this I don't know what night terrors necessarily feel like but this was this to me was real um so to me this actually happened and one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite movies is um is this real or is it all happening in my head and the person says of course it's happening in your head why shouldn't it make mean it's real so you know yeah yeah that is very creepy that is creepy as heck mike yeah um i'm torn to tell you about this one because if it's too personal you don't No, it's not personal well it is personal but um my mom died probably now, what, 23 years ago. And, you know, she died because of cancer and we wasn't really able to say goodbye because she was already gone when she died because she had brain cancer and she didn't even know where she was. About probably, I want to say about 15 years ago, I had a dream in the middle of the night. It was one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had in my life. And it was my mom standing at the end of my bed. She looked great. She looked healthy. She looked very happy. And she says, I've been following you, Michael, for, and she said it like seven years, eight years. And she says, I like how your life has turned out. I'm very happy, you know, to get to meet your, because she never got to meet William or she never got to meet Judy. So she never got, had seen any of that for my life or anything and you know so she was like she was happy to see that she had a grandchild she was said you know was very happy and so then she turned to me and she smiled says it's time now for me to move on I wanted to just say bye to you before I left and then she just turned around and walked out the door and I woke up 
I never wake up in tears. I was crying, like no get out and everything. And I, but I felt at peace. I was happy and everything. And everything. And it was just like, wow. And I've never had a dream like that since ever Mm. or anything like that. And so I feel like I was visited by her that night. That was her saying that, you know, her time is now she's, she's found peace and now she can move on. And that's, you know, and that's what you want from any spirit, any, you know, loved ones or not, you know, you hope you find peace and, you know, you could find your eternal rest because nobody knows what happens afterwards. I think that's where a lot of these ghost stories stem from. I mean, we all, we don't know what happens and we all try to, you know, we want, we, I think on the one hand, we want there to be something afterwards. Yeah. So the, the the hope that we're going to still be around, be able to like, do stuff afterwards no. is, is yeah, appealing. Of, of course. You know, with my luck, I'll just come back a slimer or something like that. You know, <laughs> my luck, I'll come back as a podcaster. Um, uh, <laughs> and like, there's so, anything wrong with that. That's a dream yeah. come true to many people. But I, uh, that is a, you know, that's, and thank you for sharing that. Cause that is a, you know, I mean, not all ghost stories are terrifying. Uh, not all, as we've talked about before, some of them are, are, you know, I, I know other people who have been visited by loved ones in some form or another, or people are convinced that they've been visited by loved ones. And I'm not going to dispute that. Um, I think it's a wonderful thing and I hope it's a real thing because that, that does, that is very comforting, you know, mm-hmm. not to end our ghost stories in a, you know, non-terrifying manner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't I tell you that blood was pouring from her eyes? And- <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, on that same line, Mike, I wanted to just quick uh, throw out a recommendation of. There's an author that I absolutely love. Her name is Mary Roach, and um, she writes a book. It's called Spook. Um, it's her second in a series. Her first one was called Stiff, which is the life of a cadaver. Her second one is Spook, which is in regard to um, people trying to connect with the dead. Um, And then she goes on. She has another one called Bonk, which is, I think, self-explanatory. And and another one called Gulp, which is about the alimentary canal. But but the book Spook is so enlightening in regards to what people have seen and done with what they consider the supernatural. It's a fun read. And for anybody that's interested in that, I would would definitely recommend that book by Mary Roach. And I do. I also do believe that there are people out there that are more sensitive to seeing the, you know, spiritual world and everything like that that you know you could possibly catch things out of the corner of their eyes or they're more prone to feel you know a presence in the room when there's nobody there and such it's pretty awesome for sure yeah um well all these stories have been awesome and uh we've gotten two episodes two shows packed full of ghost stories and uh, i can't think of any better way to spend halloween than uh with you guys telling ghost stories so thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing the stories thank you we've had a blast for sure and thanks the listeners for submitting theirs as well and uh yeah happy halloween everybody um and we will be back to close out the show
everybody. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. If you were around in the 80s, chances are you you know that line. Um, of course, it's from The Outfield's Your Love. And last week, uh, Tony Lewis, the bassist and lead singer for The Outfield, passed away at the age of 62. Uh, it was unexpected. No cause of death was given. Um, he's actually the second member of the outfield to pass on. Um, their guitarist and songwriter, John Spinks, um, left us in 2014. And it's really something to think that two out of three guys in that band are gone. Um, Tony Lewis had stayed active in music. Um, in 2018, he had a solo album called Out of the Darkness. And earlier this year, uh, he put out Unplugged, the acoustic sessions, and in June, he was part of R.W. Quarantunes, um, an invite-only fundraiser. And uh, also last week, I was listening to a guy named Christian James Hand, who does um, breakdown sessions. He has a show on uh, that he does on Instagram called The Session on Air. That's the page to go to. Uh, he usually does uh, breakdowns for a couple of hours at 11 a.m. Pacific time in the U.S., um, 2 o'clock Eastern time. And he also does some on nights and weekends. But what he does is he takes each individual track, the guitar, the drums, the bass, everything else, and he breaks them down individually and lets you hear how all the parts come together and the amazing um, musicianship on even songs that you think are just lightweight pop things, how much craft goes into so many of them. And he did uh, Your Love last week and uh, really uh, gave me a whole new appreciation for um, the uh, guitar multi-tracking masterpiece that that song is. Um, I really recommend you check out um, the session on air on Instagram. Um, when, if you're working from home and have, have some time to have music to listen to while you're working, it's a... It's really a great experience and um, improves your appreciation for music. Um, this has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. I will also have um, another Iconic Rock Talk Show blog on the ESO site that is coming up soon, I promise. And uh, I will let you know when I have content posted there as well. Until next time, take care. We'll catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Welcome to Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the haunting of Bly Manor. So it's October, and that means lots of fun, spooky series are coming out. The Haunting of Bly Manor is a show on Netflix, and it is the second of the Haunting of Seasons, the first being The Haunting of Hill House. It focuses on a haunted house and the people that live there and their interactions with the supernatural happenings that are going on. This show reminds me a lot of the American Horror Story format, where they use the same actors from season to season, but in different roles. Bly Manor is a large summer home on the England countryside. It's about three hours from London. 
we learned that two children whose parents passed away and now those children live there. The series starts out with Danny, the main character, a young American interviewing for a nanny job. Throughout us seeing Danny, she seems to be followed by this figure when she looks in mirrors, and she really seems to stay away from them as much as she can. She gets the nanny job and she moves to Bly to watch and teach the children. Flora and Miles are the children that she is there to watch. Miles is around 12 and was sent home from boarding school and Flora is nine and is a very young and sweet girl. We find out that the children seem to be able to see what is in Bly Manor and at all costs try to make sure that those who live there or at least work there don't come face to face with it. Flora also seems to see a lot of the other ghosts in the house, including a small child who really likes to play with Flora's dollhouse. There are three other workers in the house, the housekeeper who lives there, the, and then the cook and the gardener who don't live there but come and work. So I don't really want to spoil too much of the story for you guys since my hope is that my short recap will make it so you want to go watch this. Also, do not take this series to be a horror series. It is not. It reminds me so much more of the BBC dramas that just happen to have ghosts in them, since this series is listed as a drama, not a horror story. So keep that in mind too. It, got, it has spooky times, but for the most part, it's just a really nice story to watch. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank our haunted guests for being here tonight, Rick and Sherry. Thank you guys so, so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having us. We've was, had an absolute blast. That and was I, fun. And I, scary. And scary. It yes. was scary. Oh, some of those tales. Woo, scary. And that, it was pretty thanks awesome. For the, thanks for the beer recommendation. I, uh, I'm oh. impressed by this uh, haunted house ale, so I, I might be uh, imbibing in this a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. And you've now had two of them. Yeah, so. it's a, it's a it's a way to keep Halloween spirit going all year round. Oh there god, go. it made this podcast go so much better. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It, it was it was awesome. But um, do you guys want to promote your podcast real quick? For sure. Um, you can find us at this epic disc. Sorry, this epic <laughs> Yes, I've had a beer and a cocktail. Apologies, but you can also find us on Facebook at uh, this epic disaster. Um, and that's where we normally spend most of our time. We are on Instagram and Twitter. You can download us anywhere you can download podcasts, but you can also listen to us at thisepicdisaster.com. If you want to contact us, please do so at thisepicdisaster at gmail.com. And subscribe, please. Please. These guys are great. I listen to them weekly, and it's just always fun to hear them talk about their lives, about things you don't hear people normally to talk about and showing that Rick is not really psychic. It's pretty He's cool. not psychic at all. <laughs> I and, resent that. And, you know, if you like um, somewhat immature, somewhat mature humor and a lot of banter, that's what you'll get from us. You know, there's definitely nef- never anything wrong with banter. It's always a lot of fun. And you guys are great. You guys are absolutely pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm glad we've been able to keep the relationship between us all going over the years. And I'm looking forward to what we come up with in the future. Same, for sure. 
definitely check them out. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. We made it through October. This is uh, the countdown of Halloween is over. And, uh, you know, as far as my my first shout out, uh, you know, since we're talking about all things ghost and ghost related, um, I do wanted to plug um, Alexandra Holzer's series called on the on the I believe it's on the Travel Channel called The Holzer Finals. It's uh, season two, I think, is is either going on now or just starting Um and uh, Alexander Holzer Lawson is the daughter of Hans Holzer, who is a famous ghost hunter who I mentioned actually on uh, Rick and Sherry's podcast uh, because I had seen him on uh, an episode of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy talking about ghosts. And uh, so um, I think it's you know interesting that that, that legacy is still continuing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, if you want to get some other ghost stories, uh, ghost hunter stories, uh, you can check out those there, but I also want to give a big, big, big shout out to everybody who helped make the countdown to Halloween October episodes, uh, so memorable, so special this year. Uh, Mike, thank you so much again for, for letting me take over this month and, and have some fun as well as, you know, everybody from, uh, uh, Victoria Price, which was just a, an amazing interview last week. Mark Maddox, of course, it's always ha- awesome to have him on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. our, mo- our movie folks, uh, you know, Alex and Ashley and David Skull for talking about the, the Turner Classic Movies book and all of the, the geek seat victims that we had, um, you know, the, throughout the month. It's been a really, really special month. And uh, I just want to thank everybody. I hope all the listeners appreciate it as well. And uh, we'll be back to do it again next October. I'm looking forward to it because, you know, we don't have anything where else we can go right now. So <laughs> we might as well be here. Uh, my shout out real quick. Um, some friends of mine who live up in Pennsylvania are thinking about opening a comic book store and believe it or not. And, you know, many comic book shops are closing and everything, but they've decided they want to try to open a comic book store and they have a huge collection of comics that they want to try to auction off. So our friends over at Hooked on Comics are doing an auction this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 1 p.m. until 7 p.m. each day. They have 10,000 comic books that they're going to be auctioning off during the day, and you'll be able to find them at the Halloween Extravaganza at www.nsclivetv.com. They're doing it as you know way to all the money that you're they're going to be making from this auction is going to help open their store to they have a space already reserved they just need to be able to you know afford rent and everything the groundwork to get everything started with doing a comic shop and it's trust me i owned a comic shop for a bit it is not cheap folks it is really not cheap and it's a lot of fun but it is not you know, an endeavor like podcasting where you can go, Oh, I could just do a podcast. It's okay. You know, and no, you can't do that either, but it's okay. But it's a lot of fun. And these are great people. Please check them out. Please help them out. We'll have a link to it up in the show notes. And, you know, if you're around this weekend, check it out from 1 to 7 p.m. Eastern at again, www.nsclivetv.com. And there'll be links and stuff about it. Uh, Join us again next week. 
we are going to be doing non-Halloween stuff finally since we're going to be in November. And we got a good one for you to start it off with, folks. We're going to be looking at The Boys Season 2. That's right. Homelander and all the rest are back. And we're going to see, you know, if Butcher could finally get his revenge. If you can, you know, if, you know, Starlight and Huey are going to hook up. You know, it's all the fun you got from Boys Season 2. Season 1 was great. Season two was a whole different ball game. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of interesting talk. And of course, thank you for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yes, we are in proud. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mike Gordon, Sherry and Rick, thank you again for listening. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, peace, and enjoy your Halloween. And we're done. Boom. And boom! You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.